Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. There are times in our lives when Jesus reveals himself to us through circumstances or in ways that may not make sense to us. We often get confused, angry, and frustrated. Regrettably, sometimes we truly do not want to understand what Jesus is saying to us. Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 6 and look at the amazing way Jesus teaches us that he is the only true bread of life. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It's Monday morning here in Texas and uh, hopefully y'all are just, I mean, just... I mean, just living for Jesus. And I mean, living for him and living in him, right? Um, it's this whole section we've been going through in John 6, right? It's, it's, it's Christ in us and in us in Christ, right? I think it's Colossians 1. I think it's 27, Christ in us, the hope of glory. But we are also... In Christ, we are part of the body of Christ. So it, it's just incredible. It's the meaning of life. It's the purpose of life. It's the only way to fulfillment in life is Jesus. And as we've said before, more Jesus, right? That's what we need. That's all we need ever. We need Jesus and then more Jesus. We, be, we, we become Christians by trusting Jesus Christ, by relying on Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul, by cling, clinging to Jesus as the only hope for eternal life, for the only hope of spiritual life, for the only hope to come to know God the Father as our heavenly Father. For the only hope to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit as our guide, as our comforter, as our counselor, as our God. And as the only hope to know him, Jesus, God the Son, as our Lord and Savior and Master and King and God and Husband. It's incredible. Just... Just the purpose of our lives, the meaning of our lives, living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, and forgiving for Jesus. We do everything unto Christ. And the more we do that, the more we'll know Jesus, the more we'll experience his love and his mercy, and the more we'll just want to walk with him. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Today we're gonna we're gonna keep rolling. <clears throat> we should only, Lord willing, have two more teachings in John six, and I don't know. Stephen would know. Uh, this could be our fifth or sixth teaching in John six. I'm not sure. Um, but today we're planning on verses fifty two to fifty nine. If we get through those quickly, which is generally doesn't happen, we'll keep going. But we're planning fifty two to fifty nine. Um. And I'll probably read 51 just to, to give us some context. But uh, man, Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for your mercy and your favor and your goodness on our lives. 
We thank you for the Holy Bible. We thank you for the, the scriptures, the, the Holy scriptures, the living word of God, Jesus. We, we thank you that these are your words, Lord Jesus, our God, God, the son, the son of God, Lord. We thank you that you've given us these words to feed us. Lord, we believe that we do not live on bread alone, as you told us, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Father, we thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for loving us, Father. We thank you for adopting us as your children in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And above all, we thank you for Jesus, Father. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the scriptures, the living word of God. Feed us, Holy Spirit. We ask you to give us eyes that see and ears that hear. We worship you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. My lovely wife, May, makes me this beautiful drink, which, as I've said, is infinitely better now that Miss Lynette has, uh, has helped my wife with it. Thank you, Lynette. It used to be the single worst tasting thing in the world. Um, and now it tastes pretty good. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you again, Miss Lynette. Okay. John 6, 52 to 59. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Uh, extremely, extremely powerful verses. I mean, they're, they're overwhelming in their meaning. We're going to see that, uh, that to this day, people deliberately, they deliberately twist these verses to make them something they're not. The Jews were obstinate. They didn't want to understand what he was saying. And it is going to be quite interesting that Jesus that Jesus continues to, to press them on the matter. You would think that when that Jesus saw that, that they were not understanding what he was saying, you would think that he would take a different tact. You would think that he would explain it in a different way. But interestingly, he continues to, he, he not only does not take a different path, he, he ratchets it up. He presses into them. And, and the only reality for that can be that they're obstinate, that they're willful in the fact that they don't want to understand. They want to be, you know, they, they want to, 
assume the worst. They, and, and we can see that in our lives today. We, we really do see it if we look inside ourselves. There are things in our lives where we don't want to get well, where, where we want to be obstinate, where we are, we are ultimately unteachable, where we want to persist in a lack of understanding. And, uh, and that happens to our detriment and to, and to that of others. And, and all of us have places in our life like this. We all have places where we don't understand something and it's willful, all of us, okay? Now we have it at, at, uh, at different levels. Some people have worked on this. You wanna be someone that, you know, when you see areas of your life that you don't understand, you know, you want to, you, you don't want to be obstinate in your misunderstanding. You want to continue to, to go to the Lord, to ask him to give you eyes that see and ears to hear. You want to, you want to ask him to help you to understand plain scriptural teachings on whatever we're dealing with. Uh, because sometimes the blessings we can miss or the problems we can bring on ourselves can truly be a, be immense. And really, none of us are immune to this as much as we may think we are. We, some of us may think that, you know, that we're the ones that have things figured out. And we're the ones that are always helping people. And we're the ones that have the insight and the answers. And if someone doesn't understand, um, that's because they're not listening to us, because we certainly do understand. And, and certainly that's a prideful position, right? Jesus said, get the first, get the the, the log out of your own eye, and then you can help your brother get the speck out of his eye. And when Jesus said that, he was making very clear that you are the bigger problem, that I am the bigger problem, not my brother. And that's, you know, he called, he wanted us to focus and, and get our own backyard cleaned up. Right. First, get the log out of your eye and then you can help your brother with the speck in his eye. So. Verse 51 said, Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Which I will give for the life of the world. Okay, so obviously, um, you know, again, it's just silly. Obviously, everyone in the world, you know, could not eat a piece of Jesus's body, right? So they should have known. Again, he said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. They should have known that, that he was speaking metaphorically. They should have known that he was he was speaking about the sacrifice of his body. Um, he says, I'm looking for it here, but he, he simply, he very clearly says that, that he is the life where, um, and that he gives his life for the salvation of the world. Um, um, I'm, there it is. It's in verse 33. I'm sorry. Um, in verse 33, he says, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Okay. Um, and 
it's it's in his sacrifice at the cross that he gives life to the world. It's 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 in sacrificing his body. It's in it's in giving himself, giving his body on the cross that he is dying on behalf of sinful humanity, right? Now also he's dying appeasing the wrath of God for the sins of the world as well. And it's in his sacrifice that he gives life to the entire world. Um, back to 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread, of, this bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Verse 52. So once again, you notice he says this is the bread for his flesh that he'll give for the life of the world. So obviously the entire world couldn't, you know, divide up Jesus's physical body and eat of it. And so they should have known this. Verse 52. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So we already said that, that they're being obstinate. They don't want to understand the truth. Jesus is clearly speaking to them of, of a metaphor that he's giving his life and he's going to sacrifice his life at the cross for the forgiveness of sins and for the life of the world, that the world might have spiritual life. And it's by receiving him spiritually. It's by feeding on him spiritually, right? It's about being one with him spiritually your spirit being one with the spirit of Jesus spiritually, that you have life. Look what he says to him in verse 53. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Very powerful statement. I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. 54, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. 55, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. 56, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. So Jesus is very clearly here using a metaphor that his physical death on the cross, the sacrifice that he's going to make at the cross by trusting in him, by relying on him, by receiving him into your spirit, into your soul, you will have eternal life. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood, has eternal life. And what that means is whoever partakes of Jesus spiritually, whoever believes in the sacrificial work that Jesus did on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul, 
and, and, and gives themselves to Jesus, humbly puts their trust in Christ, asking Christ to come in and be the Lord of their life, will have eternal life. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Eating is, is a matter of receiving. Isn't that right, Jose? When you eat, all you do is you receive the food into yourself. You don't have to do anything when you eat. All you do is you receive the food. But you do have to receive the food. As I was studying for this, you know, um, some of the scholars gave the example that if you're physically hungry, you know, a big, beautiful, fresh baked loaf of bread sitting on that table, right? It cannot do anything for you until you receive it into yourself. It can be the most beautiful, sustaining, life-giving bread to, to quench your physical hunger ever, right? But looking at the bread won't satisfy your hunger, right? Playing with the bread won't satisfy your hunger, right? Um, you know, um, anything you do with that bread except eat the bread and actually take it into yourself will be the only, the only way that your hunger is satisfied. And you'll also notice that once the bread is there on the table, it can only be received into you. When Jesus said, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Eternal life doesn't come from anything you do, but receiving Jesus into yourself. John 1.12, you know, says to all who received him, Jesus, and believed in his name, right? He, he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus is using a metaphor, right? Just like if if we took physical bread for it to sustain us physically, for, uh, for it to give us nourishment physically, we would have to receive it into ourselves. We would literally have to eat it. Jesus is saying, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. In, in as much as you receive Jesus spiritually, in as much as you consume him spiritually, in as much as you, as you take Jesus into yourself spiritually. You remember we said that when you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you put your faith in him and when you rely on him, and, and Romans 10, 13 says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When you, when you come to a place that you know you're a desperate, hopeless, helpless sinner, and there's nothing you can do about your sin. And you believe that Jesus is the son of God. And that Jesus himself, the son of God, God the son, left heaven for you. Entered the world as a man. Lived a perfect life for you and me. Died a perfect death for you and me at the cross. And has been raised from the dead. Right? 
And that by trusting in him and relying on him as your personal Lord and Savior, and you call out to him and you humbly again set yourself before Jesus and ask him to come into your heart and to be the Lord of your life and save you from your sin and bring you to heaven when you die, desperately knowing he's your only hope. When this happens, you, you're saved. You're forgiven of all your sins, past present and future. God the Father becomes your heavenly Father. Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit, your guide, your counselor, your comforter. In the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit at that moment comes and lives in your spirit and joins himself to your spirit and gives you life, right? The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, becoming one with your spirit gives you spiritual life. And now you're not only alive physically, you're alive spiritually because you're partaking and you're one with the spirit of Jesus. And so when he says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, he's talking about whoever has received his death on the cross and his shed blood on the cross, for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their soul. Whoever eats of it and partakes of Jesus, receiving him and trusting him, you receive spiritual life as you're partakers of Jesus in spirit. His spirit comes to live in you and is one with you, right? So he's using this metaphor that just like you have to partake of the physical bread, or it can do nothing for you, you have to partake of Jesus, who has consistently said throughout this chapter that he is the bread of life, where he consistently says, I am the bread of life. 51, I am the living bread. 48, I am the bread of life. So again, physical bread gives you spiritual life. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he is the he is the provision that you will have spiritual life, that you'll have eternal life. These physical bodies don't go to heaven. First Corinthians 15, Paul says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So it's only your spirit when it's alive in Jesus Christ, and it can only be alive in Jesus Christ, as he said over and over and over and over, that goes to heaven. And it only goes to heaven if it has spiritual life in Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, if it does not, it goes to hell. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Presently, you're eternally alive right now if you are truly in Jesus Christ. If he's living inside you and you're trusting and relying on him and clinging to him as your only hope for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. And look what he says. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. The very spirit of Jesus Christ that lives in you Jesus lives in you by his Holy Spirit. Remember, we have a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. 
three distinct separate beings, all God. They're all one in the fact that they're all God. They're all all knowing. They're all all powerful. They're all everywhere. And they're all always on the same page. They don't have disagreements. Um, but that's very spirit of Jesus who lives in you. Jesus himself will raise you up at the last day, meaning that, that you will come into resurrection life. You already have spiritual life in you and you'll be raised and given a new body. Jesus says an immortal body for the next life. When it says the last day, this is this is interesting. Paul says in um, in Philippians one that he desired to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. And then in Second Corinthians five, um, I think it's uh, you know um, um, verse nine. It says to around there to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And the reason I'm saying all this is when he says, I'll raise you up the last day. If you're in Jesus Christ today, the very moment that you take your last breath in this life, you will be ushered in to eternal life in full consciousness. <laughs> That's exciting, right? So if you're in Jesus Christ today, if you're a genuine Christian, the moment that you leave this world and take your last breath in this world, you'll be ushered into eternal life with Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. 55, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Yeah, and what he's saying again is this is a metaphor that they are real provision, that my flesh given for you at the cross, my blood shed for you at the cross is real food. It is real provision made for the forgiveness of our sins, the salvation of our soul, and for us to come into eternal life, for us to have, to be children of God our Father, to have God the Father be our heavenly Father. It's real. 56, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. So once again, as you partake in Jesus, okay? Now again, this is not talking about Holy Communion. This is not a teaching speaking about Holy Communion, okay? We do not go to heaven. We do not have our sins forgiven by receiving Holy Communion at church, okay? That's, it's, it's, it's not a rational statement, right? Um, it, it's, it, it has nothing to do with what he's saying here. Okay. Um, taking Holy Communion is a wonderful thing. Okay. Uh, we're told to do it. Jesus said to do it in remembrance of him, but Holy Communion is a reminder of what Jesus did for us at the cross. Us remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, the incredible torture that he went through on our behalf. And in and, and remembering that and in participating in that sacrament, right, we just we share an intimacy with Jesus through Holy Communion. But by no means do we receive eternal life by Holy Communion. By no means are our sins forgiven by Holy Communion. Our sins are only forgiven 
by receiving the provision that Jesus made for us at the cross. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Again, when you receive Jesus Christ, you become one with Jesus. You are in Jesus. You're a part of Jesus. You're a part of the body of Christ and Jesus is in you. It's just this incredible, dynamic, spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ. Verse 57, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. So we can see he's hammering it home, right? Jesus is saying, I have life. I was sent by the Father, and I have spiritual life in the Father, right? The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one, right? Um, they're three distinct beings, but they're, they're all one in spirit. It's an incredible mystery of the triune God. But what is most important we understand is that they are three distinct beings. It's not one being expressing himself in three ways or taking on the form as he desires, right? It's not one being that sometimes decides to be Father, sometimes Son, sometimes Holy Spirit. That's not what it is at all, okay? Uh, there's a name for it, but I'm not gonna share it just because, I don't know, so, sometimes we just use these highfalutin words to describe things. Um, but suffice it to say, the scriptures teach a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Father has always been and will always be only God the Father. God the Son has always been and will only be God the Son. And God the Holy Spirit has always been and will always be God the Holy Spirit. All God, three distinct beings. <coughs> Excuse me. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. So, I want to just, again, um, just the, the massive totality of this, okay? You cannot live unless you feed on Jesus. To feed on Jesus means to partake of the provision that Jesus made for you when his flesh and blood were nailed to the cross. And by, by you trusting in him, relying on him, receiving that provision, you live because of Jesus, because the very spirit of Jesus comes in and gives you life. The Holy Spirit gives you eternal life and is one with you. You become, you're actually called the bride of Christ. You're married to Jesus. You're one with Jesus along with all other true believers in the world. Those who have gone on to heaven and those who are alive today, you're, you're part of this spiritual body. It's incredible. Um, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. So again, because of the finished work of the cross and what Christ has done, by feeding on him, you receive that provision. You receive Christ into yourself. You know how we pray, Lord Jesus, I ask you to, to come into my heart, right? To be the Lord of my life, to save me from my sin, Right? because you truly are wanting to be one with Jesus, right? He remains in me and I in him. The one who feeds on me will live because of me. You're living because Jesus lives in you, 
right? That's why we, we pray when we ask Jesus to come into our heart. And again, it's not the words that are important, but Christ does in fact come to live in us. It's amazing. Pow. Whew. 58. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Okay. This is Jesus. All these are the words of Jesus. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Okay. This is not earthly bread. Okay. We use the analogy of the earthly bread that you have to pick it up and eat it and consume it for it to sustain you physically, for it to help give you life physically. And you have to receive Jesus Christ and the provision of what he did at the cross into you to have the provision of what Jesus did spiritually so that you'll have spiritual life, so that you'll have eternal life. That's what's being said here, okay? This is not talking about going and taking communion at church, which again is a wonderful thing. It's, it's a thing we should do. This has, this has no application to that whatsoever. 58, this is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate and died. But he who feeds on this bread will live forever. So he's, it's so clear what he's saying. Now, I understand for many of us, it's hard when we read this. But when you keep going through the chapter and you keep studying it, and if you'll give yourself to it, the truth of it, Corinne, will make it, will become plain to you. Okay? Um, if you continue to study it, right, and apply yourself to it, you'll see the truth of these things, Esther. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Him. Okay. So he's saying again, I'm not of this earth. Pretty profound statement, right? The provision for our sins had to come from heaven. Our sins are so bad. We are so sinful as human beings that the only provision that would be acceptable for the forgiveness of the sins of the world and to appease the wrath of God, another big word there that I'll save you, is when God himself, the Son of God, God the Son, became a human man. God himself had to enter the world on behalf of you and me live a perfect life for us, die a perfect death for us, be raised from the dead. That was the only thing that would satisfy the wrath of God for our sins and the necessary punishment for our sins. And Jesus took that into himself at the cross. He died in our place. He was punished in our place. It's incredible. Have you received the bread of life? Are you, have you fed on Jesus Christ? Are you feeding on him? Have you received him as your Lord and Savior? Again, this has nothing to do with eating physical bread at communion. But do you have a living relationship with Jesus Christ today? Have you received him as your only Lord and Savior? He came down from heaven for you and me. Your forefathers ate manna and died. They ate the physical bread and they die because it's not enough. But look at he says, Be, but he who feeds on this bread, Jesus said, will live forever. When you feed, when you, when you receive the provision and the sustenance made for you at the cross, 
for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. You'll come into spiritual life. You'll, 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 you'll come into a spiritual rebirth and you'll have eternal life and live forever. Verse 59, he said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. It doesn't tell us when this happened. Scholars say around verse 26. So again, he's speaking uh, to Jewish leaders. He actually says all this stuff while teaching in the synagogue, as we, as we can see. He, um, he intentionally ratchets it up, even though he can see that they're, uh, you know, they're irritated by what he's saying. They don't understand. And as we said, it's because they, they willfully didn't want to understand. And, and oftentimes, you know, again, we said, we said earlier that that can be us, um, where we just willfully do not want to understand. And, and it can come in various forms, right? And it can come whether we're baby Christians or whether we've been walking with Christ 50 years. You know, it, uh, it you know, it, it can hit us all, you know, and, 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 you know, sometimes pride can get the better of us. You know, those of us who are ministers or full-time ministers, we're all ministers in Jesus Christ. Um, you know, sometimes we can just, you know, think that we got it figured out. And so we need to humble ourselves. But, well, Father, we do thank you for your word today. We thank you for the living word of God, Father. We, we thank you for the provision of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father for loving us so much that you sent Jesus to provide for us, to provide for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul and the, and the appeasing of your wrath. Father, we just thank you for your mercy and favor and goodness on every aspect of our lives. We thank you for your love. Father, we, we thank you for Jesus, we thank you that we get to to feed on Jesus, Lord, and to just to receive Him and the provision that He made for us at the cross that you sent Him to. Jesus, we worship you and we thank you and we praise you for all your goodness. We thank you for loving us so much, Lord, that you willfully became a man and were tortured for us and punished for us. We thank you, Jesus, that you're alive and risen and we worship you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to, to go ahead of us now, to give us eyes that see and ears that hear, to, to lead us in, in really walking with Jesus more intimately and more devoutly. Father, we love you and we bless you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.